Welcome to the Jumpstart Your Faith podcast channel, where you will receive the essential tools to take your faith to the next level. I am your host, Brian Ratliff, and I currently pastor Clearbrook Baptist Church in Roanoke, Virginia. Here is the latest message preached from one of our services. Grab your Bible, pen, notepad, and get ready to jumpstart your faith. Back in 2005, I encountered a conference that radically changed my life. Brother Dave and uh, Miss Tabitha took all of us to Lakeside Baptist Church in Salem, Virginia. Many of you have probably been there before or seen it. It's a large church, and they were having a creation conference. And in that conference, I was in 10th grade, and while I was in 10th grade, I began to be exposed to what is called Darwinian evolutionism. And because of those teachings, I began to seriously doubt the very words of God. I began to doubt, well, hey, did God really create the world in six days, as he said in the book of Genesis? Was there a worldwide flood that took place? Was Jesus exactly who he said he was if, if we can't trust the very few chapters of the book of Genesis? And in that conference, I was exposed to, to a lot of different teachings, but long story short, I was exposed to the reliability of the Word of God and how the Bible is, it might be an ancient book written a couple thousand years ago over the course of many different writers and penmans over uh, three different continents over 1,600 years, but, but we can still trust the Word of God. And in those lectures... I began to realize that my faith, even though it was beginning to get shattered and I full of doubts, that later that year, God would change my life and save my soul. Today, I want to draw your attention to one word. The very first word of verse number eight. It says, remember. Would you say that word with me? Remember. Say it again, please. Remember. This word, remember, literally means to exercise memory. It means to recollect. By implication, it also means to rehearse or to make mention of or to be mindful of. Here in this passage, there is an event that's being talked about how we are always to remember. But before we get into all this, I want to label my sermon title with these two words. Never forget. Never forget. As I think about my own personal life, that conference that, that ultimately changed the course of my eternal destiny, I wrote down this thought, never forget the defining moments that God uses to change your life. There's going to be times in your life that God is going to use a service, He's going to use a sermon, He's going to use an individual, a man or a woman, to dramatically impact the course of your lifetime. And today, it's just a simple reminder that, hey, let us never forget how God has impacted and changed our life. Today, I wrote down a, a key statement that I hope that you will, will make it your key statement after listening to this sermon. I wrote on this thought. I will never forget about, how, about Jesus Christ and what He has done for me. Here it is again. I will never forget about Jesus Christ and what He has done for me. As I stand here today looking out to each of you fine men and fine ladies, I'm reminded of how God has changed your life for all eternity. I'm reminded how God has used an event or multiple events to change the course of your destiny, not just here in the temporal, but also in the eternal realm. Remember, Paul the Apostle is writing this letter to young Timothy. Timothy was about 30 years old, we believe, when he received this letter, and Paul was probably about 60. And Paul is writing to young Timothy, his men, he's mentoring him, and he's trying to urge him to fulfill the calling that God has placed in his life. 
and here. If you're, if you're here listening to this sermon today and you haven't discovered God's calling, listen, God is calling all of us to go out and share His Word to others. But then He gives us specific callings of how to do that. Today, I want to share with you three thoughts that we should never forget. The first thought is found in verse number 8. Never forget Christ's resurrection. Never forget Christ's resurrection. Why are we here today? Are we here to be able to say hello to brother or sister so-and-so? Is that why we're here? I believe fellowship is important, but that's really not the purpose of why we're here. Are we here today to, to, to be able to hear the choir sing or to hear the instruments play? Those are obviously important parts of the service, but that's not why we're here today. Did you know the reason why you're sitting in that pew, the reason why I'm standing here and, and preaching a sermon to you today is because of Jesus Christ and His resurrection. Why do we have a church? Why do we have Clearbrook Baptist Church? Why do we have the local and or the universal church? Why do we have that? It's because Jesus 2,000 years ago rose again from the dead. And here in this passage, it says, Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. Of course, throughout the, the Bible, the New Testament, we have different phrases. The gospel of the kingdom, uh, the gospel according to Paul. The gospel that's being referred to here is the good news that Jesus Christ died on the cross, the good news that Jesus Christ rose from the grave, and the good news that Jesus Christ is coming again like He said He was. And if you do not believe that gospel, you cannot enter into the gates of glory. Here, I want to share with you a couple different thoughts about the resurrection, but before we do, I want you to know this, that because He lives, we can face tomorrow. Because He lives, all of our sorrow can be erased. Because He lives, all of our fears are gone. And because He lives, all of our tears will be wiped away. Listen, church, because Jesus rose from the grave, we can conquer not just death, not just disease, not just darkness, but every other aspect in this world that we face. Never forget Christ's resurrection. I wrote down this as I was meditating in the first part of, of verse number 8. I wrote on this thought, Jesus Christ was the predicted Messiah of the Old Testament. I believe that we are called to, to be kind and generous to the Jewish people. Because the Bible says, those who bless Israel, God will bless. But those who curse Israel, God will curse. I believe that God is not finished with the nation of Israel. But I want you to know that during this time period, what we call the time of the Gentiles... That God's hand is not necessarily, His hand of blessing is not upon them. His hand of blessing is upon the Gentiles because we are the ones now taking the good news of the gospel the, about the Messiah coming into our world as a whole. Years ago, 2,000 years ago, the Jewish nation rejected Jesus Christ as the Messiah. And hear me well today, the only way to go to heaven is through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Whether you're Gentile or Jewish, if you do not believe that, then you will not get to spend eternity with Him. But anyways, I say that to say this, is that in the Old Testament Scriptures was written in a time period when, when the Jewish nation was alive and well from the standpoint their relationship with God was in tune. 
And all the way back to the book of Genesis chapter 3, we discover the very first prophecy about the Messiah who would come. And then Isaiah talks about the Messiah coming, how he's going to die on the cross in Isaiah 53. The book of Jeremiah talks about the Messiah. The book of Micah talks about how this Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. Isaiah talks about how this Messiah would be born of a virgin. And then time and time again, the Old Testament reveals about this Messiah. And you can go and study prophecy and you'll find out that all those prophecies were fulfilled through the person named Jesus Christ. When you study the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you'll realize that, hey, Isaiah is being quoted in Matthew chapter 1 about Jesus and Mary. He was the predicted Messiah of the Old Testament. He was predicted to be born of a virgin. He was predicted to die on the cross. He was predicted to be raised again. He was predicted to come again, and He is going to come again. He is the Messiah of the Old Testament. And if you reject that, you're rejecting the Word of Almighty God. You see... I believe that the Jewish nation 2,000 years ago, they misinterpreted some of the passages of the Old Testament. How some of the passages talk about the Messiah would come bringing peace on a donkey in Jerusalem, but then the Messiah would come bringing judgment. And they misunderstood how Jesus Christ, the Messiah, would have two comings. The first coming is when he would come to die on the cross, and the second coming is when he'd come and establish his earthly kingdom. And his second coming is, is in two scenes. Scene number one is the rapture of the church. And scene number two is when he plants his feet on top of the Mount of Olives. Jesus Christ not only was, but is the predicted Messiah of the Old Testament. And I, I wrote down, as I read the second part of verse number eight, it says, Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead. I wrote down this. Jesus Christ was from the lineage of David. Now, this may not seem important to you. In fact, when you get into Matthew's gospel and Luke's gospel in Matthew chapter 1, it begins with the book of the generation of Jesus Christ. And if you're like me and most people, you find that the genealogical records are, are rather boring. Sorry, Lord. They are just boring. In, Luke in, in the gospel of Luke, the first two chapters, it talks about John the Baptist coming on the scene. But then it reveals the Messiah's lineage, Jesus Christ. You say, why is that important? Well, because those genealogical records traces him back all the way to Adam. And in there, we find that David, King David, is mentioned. And King David is a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. Just as King David reigned and ruled in Israel, so Jesus Christ will come back and establish his earthly kingdom and reign and rule in Jerusalem. But I hope that, that he is reigning and ruling in your heart today. So never mistake the fact that some of those details of the scriptures are always there. And they're important. Jesus Christ was from the lineage of David and was the predicted Messiah of the Old Testament. But I also wrote on this as I just shared a few minutes ago. But Jesus Christ is the soon coming king. In John's gospel, we read about how he said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. He said, in my father's house are many mansions. And aren't you glad today? That even though you might be able to buy and live in a mansion here on this earth, that it does not compare to the glorious, magnificent mansion God is preparing right now, this moment for you and for me. Today, church, there's no mansion in Los Angeles, California or Hunting Hills, Virginia that compares to the glorious, splendid place that we'll have in heaven. He is coming again, church. But you know, we celebrate His birth during December. And He came... Born as a little baby in a manger. But when he comes again, 
He's not coming as a little baby in a manger. He's not coming as baby Jesus. He's coming as King Jesus. And he brings judgment to this earth. And that's why it's so important that we prepare ourselves for eternity. We get our, our lives right in the eyes of God before we cross over. Never forget Christ's resurrection. Remember our key statement today? I will never forget about Jesus Christ and what he has done for me. Let's never forget about his resurrection. But now let's, let's look at verse number, number 9. Verse number 9 is, is the second verse I want to share with you, a second thought today. Never forget Christ's words of inspiration. Never forget Christ's words of inspiration. We've looked at the resurrection, but now let's look at the words of inspiration. Look at verse number 9. It says, Wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds, but the word of God is not bound. Before we dive into this verse, I want to share with you that the Bible is the greatest book that was ever written. Why did we develop the craft Writing. You ever think about that? Why did writing ever come into existence? Well, let me just share with you why. I believe that writing was invented so that one day God could have his written word for us in our language. There's plenty of nations and cultures today that still don't have God's word. And so we need to pray that God would raise up laborers to translate his word into their language. You know, you can study church history. And I love church history. And, and, and I really enjoyed going to the Museum of the Bible. But you know, I learned a few things. I learned this, that in the early 1800s, there was a group of Europeans who decided that they were going to make what's called the Slave's Bible. Now, let me preface this. Slavery is wrong. No matter what form or avenue of slavery, it is wrong. But let me share this with you, that the Slave's Bible was devised by some Europeans, and what they did is they went through the Old Testament and the New Testament, and they removed portions of God's Word about slavery. And they would use that Bible to teach the different slaves how to read. And the verses that they included were verses that kind of gives the idea that slavery is permissible by God. Now, you remember what the Bible says in the beginning of the Torah, in the middle of Proverbs, and all the way in Revelation? That all those who add or take away from God's word will receive God's judgment. And so it's important that when we come to the Bible, we do not pull out par portions or, or remove any. We, we read it as a whole. And as you study the word of God, you'll know that Moses in the Old Testament was used by God to lead his people out of Egypt from the bondage of slavery. And so may God help us never to use the Bible to accomplish our own agenda, but to use the Bible to accomplish the agenda of the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ. And then we find that, that earlier in church history, around the years of, of 1000 and, and down back to probably the three or four hundreds A.D. after Jesus came, it's known as what's called the Middle Ages, give or take on the timeline. Or the Dark Ages. And that is, there was another group who oppressed the people of the Word of God. And they had the Word of God in the language of Latin and not in the common folks' language. And so there, the, the, the people would preach God's Word in a way that was fit to their agenda. But the common man who didn't know those languages couldn't understand God's Word. And so God raised up a man by the name of Jerome. And he began to translate the Word of God into a language for the common people. And then God raised up John Wycliffe. And 
and William Tyndale and many different others so that we could eventually have God's Word in our own language. You see, the words of inspiration, these are not words written by man. They are words that God used to write by Almighty God. In the 1450s, a, what is called the Gutenberg Press, the first device that was ever made to, to print books. And you know what the very first book was printed? You know, it wasn't the Pilgrim's Progress. You know, it wasn't the Chronicles of Narnia. And it wasn't Harry Potter. <laughs> it was the Word of God, the Bible. So I wrote down this thought as I read the first part of verse number 9. It says, wherein I suffer trouble. Here, here's what I wrote down. If you believe the Bible, you will undergo hardships. At some point in your life, just because you simply believe the contents found in the Word of God, you're going to experience trials and you're going to experience tribulation. As I read the second part of this verse, it goes on to say, uh, wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer. So here, Paul's saying that I am suffering trouble as a criminal because I believe the Word of God and I'm advancing Jesus' gospel. People are labeling me as a criminal and now I am placed in prison. Look what he says. He says, wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds. I wrote on this. If you believe the Bible, man will try to put you in bondage. But the last part of this verse rang supreme. It says, but the word of God is not bound. So I wrote on this. If you believe the Bible, you will obtain eternal freedom. Just as Moses led those people of Israel out of the land of Egypt and there they experienced freedom for the first time from underneath the bondage of Egypt. In like manner, Jesus Christ came and he died on the cross based upon the word of God so that we could experience the, the freedom of the bondage of sin. And today, church, we understand that, hey, the devil is trying to silence the word of God. And he's been doing it ever since day one in the book of Genesis. But God... Is the all-powerful God who cannot be silenced. And no matter, somebody might try to rip apart some portions of the Word of God and throw it out, God's Word will stand forever. And what did Jesus say? He said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will last forever. Never forget Christ's words of inspiration. Never forget Christ's resurrection. Remember our key thought today, I will never forget about Jesus Christ and what he has done for me. But now may I share with you from verses 10 through 13, the very last section of our passage today, this thought, never forget Christ's salvation. So we've talked about resurrection. We've talked about the words of inspiration, but now let me share with you about salvation. Did you know if it wasn't for the words of inspiration and Christ's resurrection, we would not have what we call salvation. Now, salvation throughout the scriptures has a dual meaning. Sometimes it gives the idea of a temporal deliverance, but then other times it means it's an eternal deliverance. And today, I'm talking about the eternal deliverance from our sin, the sin of bondage, and experiencing the freedom found in Jesus Christ from sin. As I read verses 10 through 11, I wrote on this thought, Use every trial to point people to Jesus Christ. Look at verse number 10. It says, Therefore... Speaking about how the word of God is not bound, even though he's suffering trouble and all these different things. He says, I endure all things for the elect's sake. Now, the elect, we're not going to dive in too deep about this.
idea, but the whole simple idea is this, that these elected people are the ones who are the chosen by God and have inherited the kingdom of God and salvation. Now, we're not going to get into all the details of that, but let me just share this with you. To a certain extent, I believe this, that the, whoso, that the elect are the whosoevers. And if you call out to God and believe on his name in the gospel, then God will save you. But here he says, he endures all things for these elected sake. That is, those who are a part of the household of faith, he's enduring it. He's enduring in those who one day will be part of the household of faith. So I said this, use every trial to point people to Christ. Will you do that in your life? Will you be willing to use whatever experience you go through to point people to Jesus Christ? May God help us to do that. It goes on to say that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Salvation is only found in Jesus Christ. Salvation is only by grace through faith. It is only found in Him and Him alone. Verse 11 goes on to say, It is a faithful saying, For if we be dead with Him, we shall also live with Him. You know, we have this ordinance called baptism that God has established in His Word for us to practice. And one of the reasons why I believe, we believe in immersion is because it typifies the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so there, as, as, as I was baptized, not in this baptismal, uh, but as some of you were here, or whatever baptistry you were baptized, or you're in the river, when you go down, you were saying goodbye to the old man, the old nature, and you're rising up in newness of Christ, in like his newness, and to walk in him and his word. The songwriter said, I was sinking deep in sin. Far from the peaceful shore. Very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry. From the waters lifted me, and safe am I. Love lifted me, church. The love of Jesus Christ reaches down from eternal glory into this temporal world to pull us out of the darkness and bondage of sin. As I read verse number 12, I wrote on this thought. In every trial, remember you will one day reign with Christ. It says if we suffer, which at some point you're going to suffer. It says we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. That's some strong words, church. Paul is, I believe, quoting here from Jesus Christ when Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of you also will I be ashamed when you stand before Almighty God and His angels. Just as Jesus rose, He rose from the grave and then ascended up to glory, the Bible says He's going to come back down. And when He comes back down, those who are in heaven with Him get to come down with Him and reign here on this earth and judge. And today, church, we are so thankful and grateful that we get to reign with Jesus Christ. But let me share this with you. I know that, that might sometimes that might puff us up saying, well, we're something special. No, 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 church. The only reason why we'll get to reign with Him in heaven is because we allow Him to reign in our hearts on earth. So never forget that. Now, as I read verse 13, I wrote down this sobering thought. The worst trial is spending eternity without Christ. Look at verse 13. It says, if we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. You know, I wonder how many things we've forgotten over the years. We forget a lot of stuff. 
In fact, you probably forgot about something that you should have done this year already. We all have. But there's three things we should never forget. And that is salvation in Christ, the words of inspiration, and His divine resurrection. In conclusion, I want to share my statement with you one more time. But I wonder, will you make this statement your key statement for the rest of your life? May God help me to do it. May God help you. It says this, I will never forget about Jesus Christ and what He has done for me. Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in to the Jumpstart Your Faith podcast channel. As a token of my appreciation for you listening today, I would like to give you my free ebook devotional called Jumpstart Your Faith, 30 Days to a Renewed Faith in Christ. Just go to www.pastorbrianratliff.com to download it. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast channel to listen to more messages like today's. And if these messages have been helpful to you, please leave a review. If I could be of any help in your spiritual walk, please let me know by emailing me at pastorbrianratliff at yahoo.com. And one last thing, if you're in Roanoke, please consider joining us for one of our worship services at Clearbrook Baptist Church. Until next time, may God's blessings be upon you and have a great week.